hope you enjoy this message from South City C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. We are going to start a new series tonight. We call this series Soul Talk, and we're going to explain what that's all about. But basically, over the next four weeks, we're going to spend some time talking about our mental and emotional health. So we want you to come and to join us, to be with us on this particular journey. And in this series, we're going to be using uh, some material from our friends at Soul Tour. Who's heard of Soul Tour before? Yeah, a number of you are familiar with them, but let me tell you about Soul Tour. Soul Tour is an organization that works primarily with young adults focused on holistic personal development. The primary thing they do is a week-long intensive course where they help young adults to understand their mind, their emotions, and their behavior. And if you've never done Soul Tour before, the next course is in December. You can go on their website. We highly recommend it. It might just change your life. Who's done Soul Tour? A few Soul Tour graduates here. Yeah, it is an amazing course. Talk to these guys. They'll tell you about it. Another thing Soul Tour do is that they produce resources to help churches and small groups to go deeper with each other and to grow in their understanding of important mental and emotional health topics. And you know, you might be wondering, what does mental and emotional health, why would we talk about that in church? And why would we talk about that in our Christian small groups? We're here to make sure people connect with Jesus, Right. What does talking about our mental and emotional health have to do with that? Is this just self-help? And that's, I think it is a really valid question. So I want to tell you two reasons why we're going to talk about mental and emotional health and why I think it is essential for us as Christians. The first is because it's a part of discipleship. And the second is because it's a part of our mission. See, discipleship is about more than just knowing Jesus in our hearts. It's about bringing our entire life into line with who Jesus calls us to be, right? The authors of Scripture knew that being a Christian is far more than just a belief or even a change in behavior, but about the gospel's influence upon every part of you. Now, central to who we are is is our minds and our emotions. And as we grow in discipleship, these must change. So let me give you a couple of scriptural examples. Romans chapter 12 says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Because of his mercy, give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Then it says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. It's not just about having obedient bodies where we do the right things, but it's about having a transformed mind. That's what discipleship is all about, bringing all of ourselves before God, all of us. Consider these words from the Apostle John. He says, Dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. John hopes that they have this overall sense of of well-being, a healthy body which is connected to a strong spirit. 
Or look at another of Paul's writings, 1 Thessalonians 5, in the message, but it reads very much the same in most translations. May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole, put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. Now, the whole point of 1 Thessalonians 5 is that Paul is saying we need to live as those who please God that our actions need to match up to that. It's the process that we call sanctification. But it's actually about more than our behavior. It's bringing our entire life into line with who God calls us to be. It's the process of what he calls here wholeness. Wholeness. Wholeness is when all that you are is consistent and all that you are is healthy. And that is what true discipleship is all about. It is taking what the form made broken and making it whole again. That's discipleship. Second, we talk about mental and emotional health because it's part of our mission. We mentioned this verse last week, but it bears repeating. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. It's uh, the message version says it slightly different there. But our mission, says James, is to look for the vulnerable and to care for them. That means caring for the poor and looking out for those who suffer from neglect and injustice. In our world, this means helping people with their mental and emotional health issues. That is part of our calling as Christians. That's part of our calling as the church. Did you know that adults in our world are twice as likely to say they are lonely as compared to a decade ago? One study says from last year says one in five uh, Americans would say that they're lonely. It's up from 10%. It's twice the amount. And that is just one of the many statistics to say that we have a significant problem in our world with mental and emotional health. Christians then, have a unique opportunity to be light in the darkness. So we're going to do this series called Soul Talk on Mental and Emotional Health. And as we go through this series, we encourage what we do on a Sunday night to be just the beginning of the conversation, not the end. What we're going to be doing is exploring each of these topics, not only here, but also in some of our connect groups. Uh, The Taylors who run a connect group on a fortnightly, uh, one every other week, uh, they're going to be doing this material. Jesse Becker's group has recently covered this material, so they're going to be experts if you want to chat with them. They're just going to know it all, and they're doing some other soul tour material at the moment as well. Uh, And what we are going to do, if you are interested, if we get some interest, we're going to begin a uh, group specifically to work through this series. I'm going to lead it on a Tuesday night, so if you want to come and join me, we're going to have some videos that we go through, some opportunities for discussion. And you can come and you can uh, be disciple, and you can also be equipped for mission. So uh, at the back, you will see a sheet. Please go and sign up. And we aim to create an environment where people can talk about their issues openly and honestly, find healing and bring healing to others. And as we go through these topics, if we come across something and you go, well, I don't struggle with that, don't switch off, because someone in your world does. And there will be truth that we come across that you can bring into conversations that you have with other people. 
So that verse in Thessalonians mentions three parts of us, our body, our soul, and our spirit. Now, these three parts are fused to the point where we are a whole person. And God wants to change all of that into his image. However, I think a really simple exercise for us to look at as we start this series is to think about those three areas to see how close to wholeness we are. So in a car, you have a petrol gauge to tell you whether you are empty or whether you are full. What I want you to imagine tonight is that you had a gauge for each of those three areas. One for your physical sight, another for your spirit, and one for your mental and emotional health. Where would the gauges sit right now? Physically, are you well? Do you have aches and pains? Are you fighting off something? Are you tired? Or are you full of vigor? Could you do a burpee mile? You know, have you ever seen anyone do like a burpee mile? They get down, they do the burpee. Instead of jumping straight up, they jump forward. And then they do that for a mile. Uh, crazy people. They, they might say that, you know, uh, maybe mentally there's something wrong, but physically they're, they're full. What about you tonight? Are you, are you empty or are you full? What about spiritually? Do you feel close to God? Do you hear his voice? Do you sense his presence? Do you feel in line with his will? Are you empty or are you full? What about your mental and emotional health, your emotional tank? Are you anxious, stressed, or overwhelmed? Are you distracted by conflict? Is there a dark wind blowing over you? Or is it well with your soul? Do you feel peace and joy and satisfaction in life right now? Just have a bit of a think about if I was to put a gauge on my tank, am I empty or am I full? The truth is that wholeness, wholeness would be when we get to full and we stay there all the time. And it's a journey that we can uh, see some progress in, but we're not going to see entirety of progress in this world because we do live in a broken world. And there are times when we just need to be filled up a little bit more in each of these areas. And we're hoping this series can fill you in the ways that are important. And the thing we're going to consider tonight is what happens when you begin to hit, hit empty in one or usually more of those areas. In coming weeks, we're going to talk about anxiety, depression, and grief. But tonight, we're going to discuss burnout. Burnout is when your emotional tank has hit empty, but you're still trying to drive the car. Burnout is not about working too many hours, but it's about having no emotional energy for the work you're doing. We've got this whiteboard here, and on it we've got three areas. And up the top would be the area of high stress. And in the middle is when you have healthy stress. And down the bottom is when you have low stress. Do you know low stress? Stress is just as unhealthy as high stress. And often we as humans tend to, to kind of do this a little bit. We go up and we go down. But what happens for many people is actually that they just stay up here. And when they don't have emotional energy coming in, but they stay in this place of high stress, that is often when burnout occurs. So I remember talking about this with some young people, and they said to me, well, that's that place of high stress. I'm just there all the time. And I would say to them, well, you need to be really careful because you could be heading to a place of burnout. 
Last year, Gallup surveyed 7,500 employees and found that 23% said they felt they bur- sorry said they felt burned out more often than not, and then 44% said they felt burned out sometimes. So that's 67%. Of those 7,500 employees, 67% probably of our working population who at least sometimes feel burned out. And that was just before COVID hit. Things probably haven't gotten much better since then. I've seen this happen in my own world. I want to tell you tonight about Charlie. Uh, Charlie, usually what I do when I tell a story is I change the person's name. This is the person's real name tonight. I'm going to tell you about Charlie. There's a reason I tell you his real name, but I'll, I'll explain that later. Charlie is an amazing guy, a great guy. And actually, one of the joys of preparing this sermon uh, was that I got back in, ch- in touch with Charlie, and I said, Charlie, can I tell you a story? And he said, sure, you just tell everybody about my darkest moments. Go for it. Charlie is an amazing guy, and, he, and I worked with him about 10 years ago when I lived in England. Charlie is sold out for God and a pioneer. He set up an organization working in North Birmingham, schools and the community, where he would go and he would share about Jesus. He built teams across churches. He got funding from government and community people. He set up a recording studio. He helped young people get into jobs. Uh, He uh, saw young people with no knowledge of God become Christians. He and I worked together in his drop-ins, and I went into schools with him, and he went to my church, and he worked out of our office. He's still a really good friend of mine. He was a really hard worker, and he put all his emotional energy into the work that he was doing. And I admired him for it. I thought he totally outshone me because he was so committed. I remember coming into the office to pick something up at 10 p.m., and he was still there working. And I said, man, you're here at 10. He's like, oh, yeah, I usually am. Like, wow, okay, you're a hard worker. So much so that um, our pastor said, you're not allowed to. He actually sent him home, said, you can't be here after 10 o'clock. You're just not allowed because it's not good for you. But I didn't see, I was impressed by him, and I didn't see, though, the toll that it was, this output was having on him. After a couple of years, he began to unravel. I remember seeing him in a meeting, and I saw him giving advice, and it was really good advice. But as he gave it, there was an emptiness behind his eyes. He just looked vacant. He was disconnected from the conversation. You could, if you looked really deep, see that the car was going, but it was out of petrol. Charlie burned out. And looking back, I wish I could have done more to recognize the science and support him in that season. But what happened for him is one morning he woke up and he said, I can't get out of bed today. And that's one of the signs of burnout, a weariness that sleep can't fix. So uncharacteristically, Charlie didn't get out of bed. And then the next day he woke up and he went, I can't get out of bed today. And it wasn't a physical tiredness, it was just an emotional draining. His energy was gone. And so it went on for weeks until eventually he had to leave the organisation that he started. Was he a weak person? No, he's one of the strongest people I know. One of the most together people I know. Burnout doesn't happen to weak people. It happens to strong. It can happen to anyone. As part of the Soul Tour uh, materials, there are some uh, great videos that we watch. And in one of them, they tell a couple more stories about how burnout can happen. We're going to show a couple of those stories up on the screen now.
burnout happened for me in a season of life when I was at work looking after other people and at home I had a really close friend who was going through some major life crises and I was supporting her. So pretty much everything that was going on for me in my life at that time was about others. It was about caring for them, looking after them, what their needs were and I forgot about looking after myself. Yeah, it became a time when everything was really about what I felt obliged to do and there wasn't really much going on for me that gave me life, that filled my tanks up, that actually made me happy. So I got really tired, I lost um, energy, I, I lost a lot of joy and, and satisfaction in life and probably at the lowest point I just became really emotional and found it hard to cope on a day to day basis. So really teary, unable to kind of think straight, make decisions and um, yeah, just started actually feeling like everything was crumbling and falling apart. Um, looking back, I think I started to burn out uh, over a period of about a year. I don't, I didn't realise that till I looked back on it. Um, it started out as physical exhaustion, uh, where I barely could move. I remember for a few days. I didn't even pick up on that as a sign. I was like, oh, I really need a holiday, and I went away, had a break, and instantly it was okay. It, it was all okay until I came back from the holiday and I just couldn't get back. I just kept thinking I was so close. I just didn't know what was wrong with me. It was like something was wrong with my spiritual and emotional and physical plumbing and it was very strange. It felt so disorientating and um, shameful. Um, I was really disappointed that I couldn't get on top of it. I think it was really hard for my wife because I was pretty erratic. So some people burn out, but others don't actually fully burn out. Instead, what they do is what I've heard uh, Richard Black, who's a well-known counsellor around the place, called brownout. So what they end up doing is they sort of stay up like this, and they stay in that place, and they don't fully burn out, but it's like he calls it being a little bit like a river. You know when a river is in drought, and the water level has come down? And it's come down to such an extent that you can see more mud coming up than you can see water. That's brownout. There is a deficit going on. And it's something that we need to look out for. Let me ask you, have you ever been in that place? Not of exhaustion, but of feeling overwhelmed, emotionally unstable. You're irritable. You're sleeping worse than usual. You're binging on food or on TV. These are signs you might be in brownout, you might be heading towards burnout. My friend Charlie says that he was the master of fronting. He could front up and look good, but when you peel back the layers, he was just a hamster on a wheel, running and running, but not actually going anywhere. He says that he had anger inside, and he didn't want to express it. But he got, in the end, the help that he needed through medication, through prayer, and through support from his wife and other Christians, he found healing. He's still really passionate about mission, and he was in charge of um, a thing called 24-7 prayer in Ibiza, the party island of Ibiza, where they would go around and they would pray for people in the island, and they would also work with them, uh, take them home in their vomit van and all sorts of stuff like that. And he and his wife have written a brilliant blog about their struggles. 
And maybe you want to, to go see it. It's, if you want to go and have a look at it, it's uh, missionministryandmentalhealth.co.uk, M-N and mh.co.uk, where they write really openly about their struggles, which is why I mentioned his name, because if I called him Peter and then you went to that website and you saw actually his name was Charlie, it'd be super confusing. So www.mmandmh.co.uk. Now, we might then ask, burnout is a problem or brownout is a problem, and we see this happening in us or we see this happening in others. What can we do about it? What can we do about it? Well, Belinda Stott is one of the Soul Tour presenters, and she has some helpful suggestions on how to begin to heal from burnout. She says that burnout takes just as long to recover from as it does to get into it. If it takes three years for you to burn out, then it will take you three years to get over it. And then how do you begin that healing process? Well, let's show another couple minutes of the Soul Talk Soul Tour uh, video, Soul Talk video on, on burnout. Let's have a look at that one. I've worked with dozens of clients in this area and the main thing that I do is this exercise that I want to share with you. And I actually suggest that you do this exercise regularly. So even if you've been sitting there thinking, well, I'm not in burnout, so maybe this doesn't feel so relevant to you, I want to encourage you to do this exercise anyway, because not only will it take you out of burnout if you're already there, but it will protect you from going into it in the first place, which has got to be a good thing. So here's what you do. You think about a typical fortnight of your life and you make two lists. So one list is everything in that typical fortnight that would energize you. So the people that energize you, the parts of your job that energize you, the recreational hobbies and activities that you do that energize you. And you make a second list and that list is everything that drains you in a typical fortnight. So the people that drain you, the parts of your job that drain you, the obligations that you feel stressed about that drain you. You make your two lists, you make them as comprehensively as you can, and you may need to actually spend a few weeks observing yourself and paying attention to what does energize and what does drain you. Now, when you finish your list, you go through and you weight each thing out of 10, depending on two things. Firstly, how frequent it is. How often does it happen? Is it every day or just once a fortnight? Secondly, how intense is it? Is it really, really, really full on and, and you leave that situation absolutely exhausted and shattered and wishing you never had to do it again? Or is it just a little bit draining? And then you add up your columns and you take a look at the balance. Now, if you've got more on the drain than the energizing, then obviously you're in trouble. You need to do something about that. Regardless of the outcome, what you do is you say, how do I increase the energizing stuff and decrease the draining stuff as much as possible? And I personally believe this is something we should do for the rest of our lives. My personal belief is that we can get to 80 to 90% energizing, 10 to 20% draining. You know, there will always be those things that are a little bit draining, like making your kids lunches. I find that pretty draining. But that's okay as long as it's in the minority. A few more things to be aware of when it... Cool. So be part of a connect group and we can chat more about this this week. And I think the key here is not to get burned out in the first place. How do we do that? I was reflecting on millennials this week. Millennials are the generation that were born between 1981 and 1996. So that's a rough estimate. Anybody say, yeah, I'm a millennial, born between 81 and 96? 
Yeah, if you're younger than that, you're Generation Z. Any Gen Zs here? A few Gen Zs, yeah. If you're older than that, you're either going to be Gen X or a boomer. Uh, you're all welcome here in this place. But, but millennials, I think, can get a bit of a hard time, can't they? Don't they get a bit of a bad rap? They're being seen as entitled and me-focused. That's actually not my experience. My experience is that millennials are great. They're hardworking. They've got a social conscience, and uh, they're creative. That's what I've seen. But I think millennials have, and Gen Zs, have a huge burden, the burden of social media. Social media has had a massive impact on mental health. People have more friends and less connections than ever before, less close connections, intimate connections, which leads to loneliness. But one of the other issues that our screens give us is that we spend our time comparing ourselves, asking, what do I need to do to measure up? What do I need to do to be as good as this person or that person? The result is that you never quite feel good enough. Now, the way a lot of people go about solving this is by working and working hard. And if you've got that idea that I need to work to be good enough, then you're a candidate for burnout. The problem is that the only way that you can feel good enough is through being perfect. Being perfect is like trying to jump a high jump bar, but every time you get over it, the bar gets lifted just that little bit higher. You never have time uh, to to achieve or to celebrate the target because it's always moving. And I think for some of us, the reason we might get close to burnout is because we just don't feel good enough. And we feel like we've got to keep working harder and being in that high stress zone more and more. So instead of maintaining uh, proper stress levels, we're putting ourselves under higher stress for longer, and we just can't cope. You can cope up there for a little bit. That's the, the tricky thing, is that you can cope with high stress for a season, but actually your whole body begins to shut down. Stress creates this fright, uh, fight, fight or flight process when you've got a fright. Fight or flight process. And what that does is that it hones our senses to, to meet that stress, but it actually shuts down important things like our digestion. It shuts down uh, important things like our ability to reason. Work becomes, uh, for us, if we're in this process, more than a necessity to get by. It becomes God a God whose altar we worship at to feel significant. That's why work can become an idol. John Piper says, your work has become idolatry when it's the root and not the fruit of your acceptance. When you work to feel accepted, it's an idol and you will burn out. And the gospel is good news for you today. And as we come in towards a close, I want to let you know some amazing words of Jesus. Matthew 11, 28 to 30, he's praying, he's in the middle of this amazing prayer. And then he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't that be awesome? For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you 
is light. Jesus wants to bring relief for us so that we wouldn't be burned out. Sometimes it's through our expectations or what we think God expects of us. The law for many was a heavy burden. For others, it is this thing of needing to keep on working to be accepted. We cannot be perfect. God alone is perfect. Jesus alone is perfect. And our trust in his perfection is what we need. And that means we're okay. Even if we don't succeed, even if we don't do 60-hour weeks, we are okay. And once you know you're okay at the very base of your soul, then you can begin to find healing. You can be okay with having some time for refueling and enjoyment. You'll be okay with not getting ahead. You can do things with excellence, working as though you're working for God. God who accepts you as you are and calls you to be the most authentic version of yourself. And you can set boundaries and you can say no to things. You can have a day off. You can rest. You can relax. You can refill your energy. You can choose to do the things at your job that give you energy. So let me ask you today the discipleship question. How are your tanks? Are you burned out? Are you burning out? Are you in brownout? What is causing you to keep yourself at a high level of stress? Many people say, oh, you don't know my situation. I have to, I have to. I've got this expectation. And I would ask you, who is placing that expectation on you? Sometimes it's your employers. But oftentimes the reason we say we don't say no to them is because we're placing it on ourselves. How can you let go of your need to be perfect or whatever it is and learn to rest in the easy way of God's grace? Let me ask you the mission question today. Who in your life is stressed at the moment? How can you have a conversation with them and help them? I wish I had seen what was going on in Charlie a little bit more clearly and sat down and challenged him as a friend and said, man, tell me about it. Why are you working so hard? I know you're saying it's for God's kingdom, but, but is it really? What's going on inside of you? that you can't say no to some things. We can be that voice of truth and love in others' lives. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.